Hello and welcome to Life Changing Science, the Biobuilder podcast. I'm your host, Zeeshan Siddiqui, and my guest today is Chris Kuffner. Chris is currently a PhD student at Boston University. He completed his undergrad in the bioengineering, biotech, and therapeutics track from the University of Maryland. He's also been part of two University of Maryland iGym teams. Chris has been a longtime biobuilder, starting in high school at Acton Boxborough and as a biobuilder club mentor and workshop instructor. I'm super excited to talk to him today, so let's dive right into this episode. You, you first heard about uh, Biobuilder, your first experience with Biobuilder was at Acton Boxborough High School. Tell us more about introdu- being introduced to the world of Biobuilder back in high school. We attempted to start an iGEM team and uh, it just didn't go so well. So we were lucky, I think that, you know, with help from our PI, our high school teacher, Aaron Matthew, we sort of stumbled upon Biobuilder. Although Aaron's really involved, so maybe he had known about Biobuilder before. That was sort of an opportunity to keep up this after-school synthetic biology endeavor that a lot of us really cared about and wanted to learn more about. You know, if I can recall correctly, this was maybe in my senior year. So, of course, I was busy with college applications and such. But I think that we were doing a project about, like, antifungal methods. You were introduced to, I guess, the world of synthetic biology through iGEM. And then you were able to find this other avenue to continue synthetic biology through uh, with Biobuilder. I'd say so. Yeah. You know, growing up in Massachusetts near Boston, there's a lot of synthetic biology work going on in the city. So I think that just being around the local universities, um, it's not like I visited them, but in the local newspapers, I'd say you'd hear a thing about bioengineering this, biotech that. I mean, biotech, right, is something that anybody near Boston would probably know about. So naturally, I'd eventually find out about synthetic biology. And uh, to a high schooler, that's just the coolest thing. You know, it's it seems like there are so many possibilities of what can be done with living organisms. And uh, it just seems like the future, you know? I couldn't agree more. Do you remember much I, I think you touched on this briefly but how much do you and if you don't remember that's fine how much do you remember about what sort of skills you learn what synthetic biology skills you learn um in high school with biobuilder hmm. and sorry just to follow up the reason i'm asking this is i want to know how much biobuilder influenced your uh, decisions when applying to for when applying for college majors sure well Wet lab is never as easy as anybody expects it to be. So the first thing I learned in high school about my attempts with synthetic biology was not to underestimate how challenging things can be, um, to really value experience and how it can allow you to prepare for projects and measure how feasible a project is. Because the first time we attempted iGEM, we were super clueless. You know, we, we thought that it would be something like uh, first robotics, you know, where they like send you a kit and iGEM does send you a kit, but that kit is of course nowhere near enough to conduct synthetic biology. But, you know, that's what our naive high school selves thought. And at the end of that year, we had a better idea of exactly what was needed. And 
at the end of that year, I think we also had a renewed appreciation for what BioBuilder offers, which is a more high school centric approach to synthetic biology. You know, something that's a little more feasible and maybe uh, doesn't expect its students to uh, <laughs> have that fully equipped lab that's required to make use of said kit. In terms of, all right, so you start off your undergrad degree at University of Maryland. When did you get, uh, how, what was your involvement with BioBuilder once you were at university? Because I knew, I know you were part of BioBuilder clubs as a mentor and you ran a few workshops. Um, one, what made you come back to BioBuilder after high school? Or did you never really leave? Did, when did you get uh, back involved with them? So I'd say I did leave. For one thing, I'd say that BioBuilder is a fantastic opportunity for high schoolers. And they do have need of mentors, but I think it's hard for a college freshman to see themselves in a mentoring position. I didn't see myself that way. Uh, and besides, when I was in college, I did not have time for mentoring colleges when you take, you know, 24 hours worth of courses. And then on top of that, you try to do iGEM and whatnot. So, yeah, I, college was 100% within the university walls. But when I got to graduate school, you know, I had been in the field a little longer. I had a little better idea of, you know, who was making a difference and, you know, what wasn't so important. I thought that, you know, wow, I really owe it to BioBuilder for how much of a great experience I had in college. I don't think that I would have been able to have nearly the success on my synthetic biology iGen projects in college if it hadn't been for BioBuilder. So when I got back here to Boston for grad school, one of the first things I wanted to do was get back in touch with BioBuilder and, you know, hopefully just help people like me uh, on their own journeys. Yeah. And we've, so I've interviewed a few other uh, high school students who went through, who did a BioBuilder club in high school. And I, and they said the same exact thing where they felt a step ahead while they were at, uh, at undergrad. And I just want to touch, uh, come back to that where did, did you feel you were one step ahead? And if you did, in what way uh, do you feel you were more confident when approaching synthetic biology because of BioBuilder when you were doing like first year labs or were you just more comfortable in a lab? Because I, I know like I was not, I never had the wonderful opportunity of doing BioBuilder in high school. And I was very intimidated by the lab in first and even in second year of undergrad. Do you think BioBuilder helped in that way? So for me personally, to put it into, I guess, very exact detail, BioBuilder was part of what helped me make my freezer project. Uh, to understand the importance of a minus 80 freezer, you know, just how expensive that is, it's hard to do that unless you've been in a situation where you want to do synthetic biology and then you couldn't because you didn't have $10,000 lying around to buy one of these freezers. And, you know, don't even get me started on the electricity and maintenance that things cost. It's If your high school has a minus 80 freezer, then you are very lucky. <laughs> so that was part of what allowed me to make that project um, to understand that, you know, yes, this hunk of junk that, you know, really doesn't appear impressive to anybody from the outside. You know, all it does is make something really cold. Actually, this is a really big deal. Um, and then when I went to the Jamboree, I think I was able to explain it that way, you know, as, as someone with firsthand experience of exactly the issue 
I was working to solve. I was able to do that. And that got nominated for best hardware. In terms of a step ahead, I, I think that being ahead in uh, a competition, you know, like iGEM is a bit relative because the team organizations are all so different. Uh, this was a project that I was actually conducting mostly by myself as a freshman. So it was almost like I had a scoop, but I think that synthetic biology is, is also very large. So as for a step ahead, I think that there are some things BioBuilder is doing that do give a significant step ahead. One of those things is Biotrex. I think that if I had access to Biotrex when I was taking BioBuilder a couple of years ago, I'd know much more about the academic publishing process. Since I didn't know about that process, my luck with publishing has been not as good as it could have been. I actually got approached by publishers and I didn't take up their offers because nobody ever taught me that like publishing is super important. It's actually possibly the most important thing. So I think that in that way, Biobler definitely gives students a step ahead. And in terms of giving us inside perspective to freezers and stuff, that's a step ahead. But um, at the same time, it's very important if you want to do synthetic biology in university to be in a place with the right resources because it's a very resource intensive field. So use BioBuilder, you know, to get to one of those places, use BioBuilder to make good use of those resources. Yeah, I think BioBuilder in high school, um, especially now, provides you with that platform to go on to a, that, that first step. Getting that first step in synthetic biology is really hard. <laughs> and very- the er- yeah, the earlier you get it, the better. No, that, that that's something I can understand for sure. Um, okay, let's yeah, let's come back to uh, the the mentorship. So you said wh- when did you start grad school? Let's see, twenty nineteen. Yep. Okay, perfect. Uh, so yeah, I'll let you talk about what made you uh, come back to BioBuilder as a mentor, and then I'll probably follow it up by what were some of the challenging, most challenging and rewarding parts of being a mentor. Everybody needs guidance. You know, I can think of many areas where I thought I had it figured out, but I really didn't. And I just wanted to make myself available to sort of be that person in the right place at the right time. In many instances, I benefited from, and in many instances, I wish I benefited from when I did not benefit from, you know, said guidance from a mentor. So I I just realized that mentors, in hindsight, had made critical differences in whether certain things succeeded in my career. And I realized that, you know, if I was a mentor, maybe I would be able to do that too, because I want people to succeed. I want the field to succeed. And as much as I wish that I could be the superstar that brings the field to that stage, you know, with my own work, with my own hands, uh, I think that mentorship is also a critical part of doing that. What do you think are some of the most exciting projects, BioBuilder projects that you've been a part of in terms of mentoring? And I guess a follow up, follow on from that question is what excites you? Because you're, you know, when you're mentoring a, a BioBuilder club, you're looking at, you know, future scientists. So what what excites you most about these future scientists when when mentoring them for BioBuilder club projects? Last year's project, uh, I was mentoring with a school in El Paso. And that project was really exciting for me because it was about plastic degradation, yeah. which 
happens to be something that I'd already worked on in iGEM. So uh, I got super excited that the team was also interested in this thing that I was so passionate about. I, I threw a lot of articles at them. I think that I'm very proud of what the team accomplished, but also this that was my second year mentoring with BioBuilder. And one of the lessons I learned was that if you want to be very ambitious with the project, you have to meet regularly, you know, because there's a lot of uh, information bandwidth, right? And through regular meetings, you can distribute that information in a digestible manner. So I, I think that with that project, those students were fantastic, but I, I just wish that I had known more about like how much could be crammed into a single meeting. And that way I could be more proactive in like showing them this and that at the right time. But in the end, the project was um, a PET hydrolase fused to a hydrophobin. And there's some literature that suggests this is a potentially promising approach. So, you know, I still check the literature every now and then just to see, you know, when's the paper that does what this biobuilder team uh, has proposed going to come out? Because I'm fairly confident it's only a matter of time. And, you know, the project that I'm currently mentoring a uh, team on is also really exciting. Uh, this is a group in Maine that wants to help harmful, um, help address harmful algal blooms that have recently become a pretty serious problem in their state. And they had this really brilliant idea that maybe we could use predators of these harmful algae in order to address the issue. And I just thought that that was so brilliant because there are many historical examples of how human introduction of an invasive species or even elimination of a species has had an outsized impact on the environment. They've been considering how we might be able to use zooplankton as a means to eliminate these algae. And I've actually managed to get them in touch with Vigilow uh, Labs in Maine, who have a couple of scientists that work with zooplankton. Or a lot, they work with a lot of protozoans. But it's just really great seeing the team come up with these ideas and talk to these scientists and learn so fast. And I'm, I'm really excited for how their ideas got involved because after all, it's not over yet. And that's that's really, really exciting. And I think one of the main, I guess, takeaways from that is a Bible project is, is never like over um, in terms of, you know, you, you take part in the Bible club and there's obviously like, how, how long is that program? I think it's a few months and then there's like a jamboree at the end, Bible jamboree or showcase. Uh, but the project is always continues afterwards and it can like be, I, I was talking to someone who did Bible like, five years ago in high school and then they picked up the project again um like emailed natalie after like five years uh, and i think that's really really cool um wow i guess that's important because bible has such a strong team uh, behind it and you need mentors and the scientists and everyone involved with bible and that's why a project never stops and lots of bible connections to help keep <laughs> keep the projects going and these are really really important projects as well you know, it was really interesting hearing your comments about how bad the projects are never over because, um, of course, these projects do take a while. Uh, I think that a lot of great science, if not all of it, is the product of years and years of effort. You know, earlier I talked about um, in another video how much the PhD helps you make mm. impactful science a reality, particularly because it enables you to 
have that level of focus for year after year after year. And um, you know, the fact that BioBuilder allows teams to continue working on those projects for years on end, I agree, is really fantastic. There are limited iGEM teams that will work on projects for several years, but I think I personally favor the approach of a project that can be sustained over several years that BioBuilder allows. I also wanted to ask you about your experience running workshops with BioBuilder. Uh, hmm. What type of workshops were these specifically for high school students? Because I know there's a lot of teachers that take part in some of the BioBuilder professional workshops. Well, I was getting ready to host a BioBuilder workshop to train teachers in Maryland. Uh, you know, I, I just gotten into grad school and was thinking about how I could bring some of the BioBuilder uh, stuff that Boston enjoys over to Maryland, where I had come from. So we were gearing up to make that workshop a reality, and then disaster struck, COVID-19 pandemic, forget about it. <laughs> that was off the table. Then during the pandemic, I was approached to host a lecture for BioBuilder, and I recorded a little introduction to synthetic biology for a broad audience. I believe it included both middle schoolers and high schoolers. So, you know, that was a live video where I kind of had some colorful slides and some fun sound bites to just give a very fun surface level introduction and then answer some questions at the end. Now I'm about to embark on some training in Boston to prepare to host some workshops in person. And I'm very excited for what the future will hold in that regard. I have not seen the Ginkgo Bioworks BioBuilder space. I've heard it's 3,000 square feet, which is a lot of space. I'm really excited for what that could mean. Can you tell us a bit more about some of the experiments that you'll be running in the workshops? Because it's going to be so exciting, like being in person in the new space. I can't say that I know exactly what kind of experiments it'll be. I'm guessing that we're going to follow a lot of the experiments that BioBuilder has published. Uh, things like ODAT Smell, which is my personal favorite, What a Colorful World, uh, simple transformations and use of instruments, plate readers, um, basic cloning, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like get, get, uh, get whoever is part of the workshop familiar with some of the basics and I guess, yeah, foundations of synthetic biology. Awesome. Um, I really want to take part in that workshop. And I, I just want to finish off with, you've had such a great experience with BioBuilder in the in the past in the present and in the future and you've you've been exposed to so many different areas of science because as as you mentioned synthetic biology is a super broad field um, and i also feel you learn the most when you teach uh, i wanted to ask you what have you taken from biobuilder in terms of how you approach science and research both from uh, from both a teaching and research perspective perspective is important experience is important it's how you see the bigger picture. And like you said, it's a very big picture. I think that the more I do synthetic biology, actually, the more I get excited about what companies like Ginkgo are up to in terms of automation and instrumentation. It would be really great uh, if there were devices to make things easier and faster. I think that anything we can do to make things more accessible in terms of time in terms of money, even in terms of policy, is important. So 
it's not just about the cutting edge, right? It's about every person who is interested and how can we get those people to position where they're able to contribute. Uh, you know, things like industry don't take off because of some simple scientific finding, although science, of course, is critical. I think that a lot of industries thrive because of tooling for production. So uh, I guess working with BioBuilder has made me interested in making everything more accessible and easier. I think that that's what's really important to me. My current projects, you know, they focus on tools. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily just research, but building platforms and such. It's very important. Thanks once again to Chris for joining me today. What I found really inspiring was hearing Chris talk about his involvement with the BioBuilder Club students. These students are future scientists and leaders, and knowing that BioBuilder is offering a platform for them to take on the grand environmental challenges is just brilliant. A comment I found particularly insightful was when Chris mentioned that advancing the field of SynBio is not just about cutting-edge research, but also about getting the people who are passionate and motivated into a position where they can contribute and help drive the science forward. I think this episode will be useful for anyone interested in learning more about the impact Bible has on students and mentors, as well as potential future mentors and Bible Club students. If you would like to learn more about anything Chris and I discussed today, please refer to the show notes. Join me for the next BioBuilder podcast. We'll welcome another wonderful guest whose career has been influenced by BioBuilder's life-changing science. See you next time.